Hello, welcome to Adapt, episode 35, which is brought to you by Hover and Muse for iPad. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Federico Vatici. How's it going, Federico? Hello, Ryan. Um, it's going. Um, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling better, I think. Um, the review has moved along. I finished writing, finally. Um, I've already started editing a while back, but now I'm in full-on editing mode, just finishing things, and it feels nice to, to have that uh, writing to-do list just be empty. Uh, so that's a very nice feeling. And of course, it's been a busy, busy past few weeks with the release of iOS and iPadOS 14, all the apps that we've been covering, all the things that developers have been putting out on the App Store. So it's definitely been a busy time of year, which is fun. I think it's, I was missing this kind of, you know, excitement and just being busy with actual news and new things. And, you know, instead of talking about the pandemic and all the horrible things happening around the world, it's nice to be busy you know, good busy again. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you feel this way, but for me, I've never written a, a super long piece like your reviews are every year. But when when I transition, some, something that I've been working on for a while, I transition from the writing stage to the editing stage. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, okay, I'm no longer depending on my brain to come up with all this like creative <laughs> stuff, right? Like there's a difference between a blank page or a mostly blank page and a filled page that you can just kind of like edit and tweak. Like for me, it's just such a relief to get the writing part done and move on to editing. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, it's um, it's nice that I I understand that feeling because when I'm writing, I still feel that responsibility of like I need to be creative and I need to 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 get these ideas out of my brain and onto the page in a way that is informative and enjoyable and structurally correct. Um, and it feels nice to just take a step back and, and say, okay, now that all the work has actually been done, I just need to refine it and polish it and make it, you know, make it as elegant as possible uh, for Mac stories. It's definitely like, it's a relaxing experience for me to edit these long form pieces. It's a lot of work and it's kind of, and it, but it's not stressful in the same way that writing is, especially when you're write, when you're writing these long form stories and you see all those uh, incomplete chapters, it really feels kind of daunting at the beginning. So to be at the end of that process and be like, okay, now I just need to reread this a bunch of times and take the screenshots and all that, it's it's <laughs> it feels very good. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm sure it does. That's that's fantastic. I'm excited. Especially for you when. And- when you write the last sentence of the conclusion, mm. that's when you know, okay, my work here is basically done. And uh, I don't know, I'm really happy with the, I can say right now, it's not a short review. I was imagining it to be a short review. Shocker. It's a long, it's, I know, but I think it feels lighter than in previous years, even though the word count is kind of high. It feels easier to get through. It's not as, you know, I, I always mention the iOS 11 review. That's when, you know, plus, uh, 75 plus thousand words. And, but, but also, like, it's not the word count, right? It's, it's more, uh, since uh, uh, doing that kind of review, super technical, very detailed in terms of developer frameworks. And that, while I'm proud of the work that I did three years ago in terms of trying to understand all those technicalities. I'm really happy that this year's review, even though it's not a short one, it's not 30,000 words, right? 
um, it feels lighter because it's more there's more opinion there's more um, high level concepts uh, and I think it's more enjoyable so the word count doesn't necessarily matter because I'm, I'm, I tend to be happier with my work when it's something detailed that I appreciate because I, I, I need, I almost need to be detailed for myself. But I'm happy when all that detail is accompanied by a lot of discussion, a lot of sharing opinions, sharing ideas, trying to explain why, not necessarily the how of things. So. Yeah, I'm excited to to finish this and to Ryan, you will edit the review. So I'm excited to send you the chapters yes. one by one and uh we'll get this this thing up on Max stories real soon. Yeah. Yeah. We're close to the you're close to the finish line. So that's that's yeah. something to celebrate. Yes. Well, we have other things to talk about today related to iPadOS 14, of course, but not so much the things some of the things that you're going to cover in your review, but more specific to apps that are available now on the App Store. And I know you're going to have some examples in your review as well. But you and I, since iPadOS 14 is already out, and we have been using beta versions of a bunch of third-party apps that support the specific features of this release Mm -hmm. for a while. But even since the release, now there's a whole bunch more that are on the App Store that we're able to try. Um, some developers, you know, they released maybe one version of their iOS and iPadOS 14 update, and then they've released another version, kind of adding even more. And so we've gotten a much better idea of kind of how some of the new features Apple has built and new tools they've given developers are starting to be adopted by apps and what that's looking like, uh, sometimes in expected ways and sometimes in unexpected ways, as we'll talk about. And so we today wanted to cover some of those specific apps uh, and highlight really what seemed like two of the biggest features of iPadOS 14, um, particularly that are unique to iPadOS 14 versus iOS 14. So we're not going to talk about widgets today. Um, Widgets are certainly the biggest feature of this release. Not so much on the iPad because you can't put them wherever you want, but um, we didn't want to talk about widgets again because we've talked about it plenty before. Uh, you and John on App Stories have talked about it. Uh, you talked about it on Connected with Stephen and Mike. And then, of course, if if people want even more widget coverage and they haven't been visiting MacStories.net on a regular mm. basis, there are a lot of app yeah. reviews on MacStories that cover you know the various ways developers are using widgets in their apps in, in some really neat ways. So there's lots of widget coverage out there in the world as it is. Uh, but there are two kind of more unique to iPad features uh, in iPadOS 14 that we wanted to talk about today. Um, One of those being the new kind of sidebar design for iPad apps, and then the other being uh, Scribble with Apple Pencil. So I I know that there are a number of apps using sidebars that are already available in the App Store, uh, some of which we've covered on Mac Story, some of which we haven't, that uh, that you've been using for a while and that you're excited about. So, what are what are some of those apps, and you know, what difference have these sidebars made versus kind of the old designs that these apps used? Right. So the I, the big news in iPadOS 14 is that there's a new, and I'm gonna keep things as simple as possible here. There's a new API for developers to have a consistent uh, three column layout 
with a sidebar, with a middle column, and with a content column that is, as I said, consistent with the same kind of layout and the same behavior, which is also just as important as the, as the visual appearance. It's consistent with the other Apple apps on the system. So sidebars are nothing new, right? Um, developers on iPad have been using sidebars for years now. Apple itself, they've been using sidebars in mail and notes for, for a few years now. But what's different this time is that Apple is sort of a, a unifying the technology and the visual language and sort of the interactions of these sidebars and these three-column layouts, which are optional. Like, you can have an iPad app in iPadOS 14 with a sidebar, but without a three-column layout. Or you can choose, you can mix and match. It's a very flexible framework. But the key thing to understand here is that everything is consistent now. And so by implementing this new technology, developers can have their apps take advantage of the larger display of iPad, of course, because you know most people, and I assume especially iPad Pro users, um, using the iPad Pro in landscape with an external keyboard, perhaps, uh, they're going to take advantage of that widescreen form factor to display more content. And to Apple refers to this idea as flattening navigation. So the idea of switching from an iPhone-inspired uh, design with tab bars at the bottom, such as was the case, for example, for photos and music before, um, to flatten the navigation so that all those sections are more easily available in a sidebar. So it's, it's this new way of, of designing and laying out iPad, apps on iPad that I think it's really the key concept here. Uh, Apple is saying, for years now, we have primarily based our uh, application design on iPad on the same concepts and the same interactions as on the iPhone, but maybe there's a better way to take advantage of the iPad's display. And the other thing that this is actually, all these are concepts and sort of a high-level themes that I discuss in my review. The idea, which shouldn't be surprising uh, for Apple in 2020, is how can we design something? How can we set this new path for developers to follow and implement this new UI uh, conventions on iPad in a way that that new interface can be used both via touch with your finger and with the pointer at the same time. So this, this sort of new trend of Apple designing new interfaces, especially for iPad, keeping in mind that the iPad supports multiple input methods. We saw something along, those, along the same lines last year with context menus. Uh, in, in iPadOS 13, we got these new tap and hold menus uh, that they would, you know, they were just a, an easier way for you to access contextual actions for apps. And at the time, last year, they only supported touch. But then when the pointer came out and when the Magic Keyboard came out, we saw how those context menus were able to gracefully scale from a touch interaction to a pointer interaction. So if you're using your finger, you just tap and hold. But if you're using the pointer, you can just right-click on the trackpad. So sidebars and multi-column layouts fall along the, the same lines. Um, they follow the same principles in that you can totally use an iPad app with a sidebar and multi-column via touch, and you can use swipes, and there's buttons to close and dismiss the sidebar, and you can use drag and drop, but also you can use your trackpad to interact with these sidebars. And it's just so easy to go with, the, you know, using the pointer from the middle column, go to the sidebar, switch sections, or maybe just swipe with two fingers on the trackpad to dismiss these panels and these columns. So it's, it's a, the, a new way of designing experiences for iPad while taking into consideration the fact 
that this device supports multiple input methods. And sidebars and multi-column layouts, they show that Apple is very much aware of this necessity right now. So this is sort of to, to, to give you some context on sidebars and multi-column. What you should know is this is nothing new. Conceptually speaking, you probably have seen sidebars before. What is new this year is that the framework is entirely new and consistent. So all the um, apps that we're going to talk about, they will have like the same underlying look and interaction, like the sidebar has a button in the top left and there's a, you know, it behaves in a certain way when you're using split view and all of that. But also developers have a lot of freedom when it comes to customize that experience. So maybe they can use different colors. Maybe they can use different behaviors for multitasking. Maybe they can uh, use different accessories in the sidebar. And by accessories, I mean things like um, buttons that expand and collapse certain sections or checkboxes or colored symbols, which are also new this year. So it's a new framework. It brings consistency, but at the same time, it also offers a lot of flexibility to developers. And so starting from that, I wanted to just cover a few examples. Of, of sort of the standout apps that have implemented sidebars and, and multi-column layouts. And I would like to start with Lear. So Lear is an RSS reader that's been around for a while, and there's a new version of Lear on the App Store, which is a separate purchase from the old one, which has been around for years. And so the developer of Lear has been doing really amazing work over the years, and now they've decided to, to put out a new separate version. And this new version of Lear is an really an exceptional example of how you can take advantage of the widescreen form factor of iPad while also being mindful, I should have mentioned this a few minutes ago, being mindful of the fact that this experience, this iPad experience, can also be ported to the Mac more easily now thanks to the updated version of Catalyst and also with the fact that Apple Silicon Macs are coming out <laughs> shortly, I guess, and they will offer support for running iPad apps unmodified on the Mac. And Lear, what the developer has done, Lear is now using a sidebar and a, and, and a three-column layout to allow you to switch between your RSS sources, your, your feeds, your folders, reading articles, and then clicking on a specific article to, 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 to read it. What's really nice here is that the sidebar in Lear has been customized and custom-tailored to the experience. So you'll see colored symbols you'll see the ability to uh, expand and collapse certain sections. One of my favorite features of Lear is the fact that in addition to the standard stuff that you may expect from an RSS reader like um, browsing by folder and you know, allowing you to click on individual subscriptions, it also comes with sections such as authors and column feeds. Column feeds is a really interesting idea in that you can um, have like a single overview of your low-volume subscriptions. Um, so if you want to, you know, maybe you subscribe to The Verge and TechCrunch and these high-volume websites, but at the same time, you, you also subscribe to indie blogs and smaller publications that don't publish as frequently. And Calm Feeds allows you to dig in, to drill into that and say, just show me the low-volume stuff that I may have missed. And that's a section in the sidebar that you can collapse. Same with authors. One of the other features of Lear is that it, it scans your articles and looks for the name of the the names of the authors of the, of the the articles that you have, and it allows you to browse your subscriptions by author. So say I want to see all the things that John Gruber has published, or maybe I want to see all the things that Jason Snell has published, 
But maybe Jason Snell publishes things on multiple places, right? Like Six Colors and Macworld, give an example. By clicking on the Jason Snell author in the sidebar, you can get all the stories that Jason wrote on multiple websites in a single view, which is a really nice um, different way to, to, to sort of manage your subscriptions. And what I really appreciate here is that that section in the sidebar, you can collapse at any time, you can expand, you can pin your favorite authors to the top. So really lots of different interactions are supported here. And it really does help in speeding up navigation because you have everything available right there in the sidebar. You don't have to use like nested menus or popovers. Like everything is right there. And of course, the three column layout, it, it's fantastic when it comes to managing, right? You have like hundreds of unread stories, just clicking through different folders and switching back and forth. And of course, there's multi-window support on iPad and you can use drag and drop. Really an amazing example of taking advantage of all these technologies that are exclusive to iPad, pointer control, drag and drop, multi-window, multi-column, sidebar, to craft this kind of modern experience that it makes sense on iPad. It's totally usable on iPad. It supports multiple input methods, but it can also be easily ported to the Mac. Um, so that I would say the Lear is one of my absolutely favorite examples of, of um, what does a modern iPad experience look like. Um, I also want to mention GameTrack. GameTrack is a service and an app that allows you to sort of build a list of video games that you may have played or that you're playing right now or that you want to play in the future. Um, GameTrack, we, we reviewed a bunch of times on Mac Stories. You can find the links in the show notes. Uh, what stands out this year is the fact that the developers took advantage of the new sidebar and the multi-column layout to let you easily browse different sections and browse games in your library on iPad using multiple columns. And specifically, two things I want to point out. The customization that the developers applied to sidebars and columns. Uh, so this, uh, they were able to use their custom themes and all their, you know, the, the, the custom symbols that they're using to really craft a unique experience. That you know, it's, Even though you're using a sidebar and multi-column, it doesn't mean that your application needs to look like mail or needs to look like notes. And this is, I think, a really good example of that. Uh, but also, GameTrack is one of the very few iPad apps that supports a three-column layout in portrait mode. So as I mentioned before, developers have a lot of flexibility when it comes to uh, using auto layout and, and similar technologies to say, I want to offer a three-column layout when my application is in full screen, but if my application is in split view, three-column layout becomes too narrow and I want to switch to uh, you know, a two-column mode instead. And developers have really different, a lot of different ways to implement this, a lot of different behaviors. What, like, what happens to the sidebar? What happens to the middle column? And developers have a lot of control there. But very few of them made the decision to support three column in full screen in portrait. Because those three columns, even on an iPad Pro, they do get kind of narrow and tiny in portrait mode. However, GameTrack supports this. And let me tell you, like, Holding an iPad Pro in portrait, it's totally usable. And it's nice that even if I sort of uh, switch modes on my iPad and I, and I hold it like a book, I think it's super nice to have those three columns uh, available, even in portrait mode. I, I want to mention here that the only other built-in app made by Apple that supports three-column layout in portrait is not what you may expect. It's not Apple Notes. It's not Mail. It's not the calendar, 
it is voice memos. <laughs> of so course. Voice memos. Voice memos. It's, it is the only I, uh, iPad app made by Apple that supports a rich three-column layout, both in landscape and portrait mode. It really is kind of odd, but also kind of amazing at the same time. You know, a lot of people make fun of voice memos uh, in, our, in our community. I actually think that voice memos is up there with like notes and calendar in terms of like some of the built-in apps that people use the most. Uh, students, journalists, musicians, of course, like voice memos is huge with, with musicians. Just to save quick ideas, you know, for a song or whatever. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that, that actually, like it surprises me because it's kind of fun, right? It's kind of a fun thing to say, oh, you know what? A voice memos has the best three-column layout support. But also like it doesn't surprise me because a lot of people really care about voice memos. So uh, game check and voice memos, you can rotate your device and you will be able to use the three-column layout in portrait. A um, couple other examples. Uh, John reviewed this one, AnyBuffer. AnyBuffer is a clipboard manager and shelf app for, for iPhone and iPad that lets you save little bits of text and images and links and sync them between devices. Um, AnyBuffer, this is a good example because it doesn't have a three-column layout. However, it does use a sidebar. And the sidebar here is particularly interesting for three things. One, they're using um, colored symbols in the sidebar. So you're not forced to use monochrome icons. You can have colored symbols in there and they look very nice. Two, you can expand and collapse sections, which is a very nice touch. But three, and most importantly, it shows how the sidebar can work really well with drag and drop on iPad. And I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise, right? Because we've, we've been using drag and drop and apps with a sidebar on the Mac for literally decades. This is not a new interaction. However, it is new in the context of iPad, where drag and drop can be used both with touch and with the pointer. And it works really well, like you can just pick up a few bits of text or images in any buffer, just drag them into a different shelf. And it's super easy and it's super fast. And there's some examples of, of Apple apps taking advantage of this as well in iPadOS 14. Um, for example, in music, right? Music has switched from a top bar layout to a sidebar layout in iPadOS 14. And because of this, um, the sidebar can show you more sections at a time. And one of those sections is your playlists section, which means that now in music for iPadOS 14, you can pick up any song from anywhere and use drag and drop to instantly drag it into a playlist. You don't have to use the context menu and say, uh, share, add to playlist. You can just pick it up, drag it into the sidebar, and you've added a song to a playlist. And same with photos. Photos is also using a sidebar layout now, which means you can pick up a photo, drag it into the sidebar, and save it into an album. So um, this sort of a, it's not just a sidebar. It's the combination of all the things that the iPad has become over the years, sort of coming together in iPadOS 14, working together. And so you have things like multi-column, multi-window, drag and drop, and sidebar, and it creates this, this new kind of consistent experience that I find really powerful and really empowering in terms of being able to work more efficiently and more quickly. So, uh, oh, and I also want to mention good task. We, we've covered good task on this show and Mac stories before. Fantastic reminders client for power users. It's using a native sidebar now, as well as a three-column layout. 
which Reminders doesn't use. So you can have a, a really custom sidebar with all your custom shortcuts and custom um, smart lists. And then you can dig in, you can, you can open a list and then you can click on a list and the, an individual reminder opens in a third column on the right. So another really great example of how a task manager can take advantage of sidebars and multi-column to speed up navigation and to let you more easily switch between different projects, different lists, and all, and all that. So um, my takeaway, I guess, this year is, which is, again, all of these uh, themes I, I get into more detail in my review, the idea of the iPad having grown over the years into a different type of experience from the iPhone and with sidebars and multi-column, Apple is sort of finalizing that journey in a way and saying, yeah, this is a different device from the iPhone. Like some of the interactions are the same, but the experience is different. And now with the native sidebar and native multi-column support, all developers can take advantage of this. It's not just a thing that is exclusive to notes and mail. Now everybody can do this. Yeah, I love the examples that you gave because they do show all the different dimensions that are yeah. available here. And and it's amazing to me that it's it's iPadOS 14 and this is happening, but we had these features in certain apps in Mail and Notes, like you just said, all the way back in iOS 10. And I've I've loved using them ever since then. Like I've I've had, you know, the three column layout in Mail and Notes and as I've talked about before, that's one of the things that has kept me on the 12.9-inch iPad Pro before. Uh, I know that Apple, fortunately, has updated things this year with, with the new system that's available for a lot more apps where you can do that on smaller iPads as well and, and view those three columns. But like the idea of drag and drop, I do that all the time in mail, and I've done that forever where I, I'm one of those people that doesn't archive many messages. I mainly sort them into folders. Um, and one of the nice things about mail is that you can pick up certain messages from you know uh, your inbox, drag them over to the sidebar, sidebar where all your different folders and mailboxes are. And it, it has this special animation where when you're holding those messages over a particular mailbox that you want to drop them into, then the messages turn into these little envelopes there, you see this envelope, um, and it's just yeah. such a delightful thing that sometimes I'm, I'm like, oh, well, I need to move this message real quick, and I'll maybe swipe to move it with a swipe gesture. But then I'm like, oh, no, I want to drag and drop it so I can see that little mail animation. It's just, it's one of the nice, delightful touches of using an iPad is is that you can interact with these things directly, and you get these you know, these nice animations in certain areas as well. And so that's something that I hope that we'll see more developers adopt is is kind of custom drop animations for when you're going to drop items into a particular folder or, or whatever the case may be in the sidebar. Um, I want to talk about some apps that use Scribble, which is a big surprise right. to me. I didn't think I was going to be excited about <laughs> Scribble this year, but that has changed now that I've tried certain third-party apps. Um, before I get into those apps, though, let me thank our first sponsor. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Hover, one of Relay FM's longest-running sponsors. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? Well, your business starts with a domain name. So for many entrepreneurs, Hover is that big leap. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. 
and they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. And they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. If you have work that you want to show the world, using a .design domain will show potential clients or employers that you've put time and consideration into your online portfolio. Hover has free who is privacy, so the bad guys don't get your information, a clean UX and UI, monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. We know that you like intuitive user experiences and things that just work straight out of the box, so I know that you'll appreciate Hover. Their UX and UI really is simple, clean, and easy to navigate. There's something so special about purchasing that domain for the business idea that you have. I was talking to a friend just this past week who's starting up a new business, and uh, he got the domain name, and, and I was there when he got it, and, and he was so excited for the rest of the night because he's just like, oh, we have the domain. And that means that this is real now. This, this idea that's been in my head, that's been brewing, this thing that I've been dreaming about what it could become, now that the domain is ours, it's real. And, and that's kind of the special thing about Hover, is that you, you, you sign up, you get your domain, and you don't have to worry about it after that. But Hover kind of fills the gap with that important step into making something that had just been a thought, just been an idea and a dream into something that enters reality. Um, so you can, today, buy your domain and start using it. Go to hover.com slash adapt and get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL one more time is hover.com slash adapt. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So scribble on iPad. Mm -hmm. Longtime Adapt listeners will know that this is not a feature that you or I were particularly excited about in iPadOS yeah. 14. It, it, yeah. is, it is the feature that, on a technical level, is extremely cool. And, you know, as we've said before, we can see how people who use their Apple Pencils all the time would all the time would love this feature because it enables you to, rather than, you know, uh, you're, you're drawing or you're writing something with your pencil and then you need to type something into a text field. And so rather than putting your pencil down and then using the keyboard on your iPad, you can just, using the pencil, write into that text field and your handwritten text will be converted into typed text. And there's all kinds of benefits that come along with this, such as support for data detectors. So uh, the iPadOS 14 will detect certain things like phone numbers, uh, addresses, other special types of content where you might see with typed text that that content is recognized as being a phone number and it's underlined so it becomes a link. Well, now the same thing is true with uh, text that you scribble. And so there's all these improvements to how handwriting works on iPad, but I'm not a big Apple Pencil user. I do have the pencil. There are certain things that I use it for and I value it for, but I'm not using it every day. And so I didn't think that Scribble would be something I was particularly excited about this year and certainly not apps that supported Scribble. But then I've been trying a bunch of apps and there are two in particular that have a really neat implementation of Scribble that I just didn't anticipate at all. 
And those apps are Things and Fantastical. Um, if you have never heard of these apps before, Things is a wonderful task manager. It's a beautiful app. Uh, Fantastical is a wonderful, powerful calendar app. So task management, calendars, these are really important productivity apps. And I didn't imagine that Scribble would be you know, something that these productivity apps would add in a meaningful way. Uh, the way that Apple built Scribble in iPadOS 14 is that most apps will automatically support it in their text fields. So any part of an app where you need to type something in, if those apps are using kind of standard text fields, then yep. you can just write in with your Apple Pencil and the app with no work on the developer's part updating it, the app will automatically recognize your handwritten text and convert it to typed text. And so, sure, I expected productivity apps to gain support for that aspect of Scribble, but the developers behind Things and Fantastical have come up with a really interesting implementation that I didn't anticipate which is letting you scribble on basically any part of the app's UI and using that as a type of shortcut to trigger an action in the app. And so let me start with Things. Uh, Things is the first app that I saw that, that did this. And um, what they do is, you know, it's a task manager. You've got your various um, areas of work, you've got your projects, different lists, like your today list, your upcoming list. And in any open space of the UI, you can scribble with your pencil. You don't have to hit any buttons first. You don't have to do anything. Just pick up your pencil mm -hmm. and draw on any open area of the UI. And things will recognize that you're handwriting something. And so you'll see your handwriting show up on screen on the app. And then what it will do is it will take that handwritten text and convert it into typed text inside of a new task field. So it automatically loads a task creation box where you're adding a new task to whatever list you're viewing at that time. And it takes your handwritten text and turns it into typed text to create a new task. And so... What's nice about this is that it saves the extra step of pressing the, the little plus button in the corner that opens the task creation field. You don't have to do that. You don't have to write precisely inside of a, you know, a, a text field inside of that task creation box. I mean, one of the nice things that, that Apple has done with Scribble is that it understands that people are a little sloppy in the way that they handwrite. And so it's not like you have to scribble in a very you know limited area of that text field, like the size of what the typed text will end up being, there's there's a little kind of liberty in in how you know as long as you write it somewhere you know that involves that text field, it you don't have to be you know write really small and be extremely precise. But but with things, it's like it takes things even further where you don't have to write in that text field at all if you're creating a new task. You can just write wherever you want to on screen and you don't have to press the plus button to open the new task creation box. You just draw, you just write wherever, you know, you, wherever you are in the app, whatever you're doing, pick up your pencil and write. And then automatically that task creation box is opened. The thing that you hand wrote is now 
typed text that you can use as a new task. And it's this really neat, just shortcut that essentially puts pencil users on the same level, um, giving them the same benefits as, let's say, users who have a hardware keyboard attached. Um, that's kind of how I've thought about this is that, you know, just as Apple really pushes developers to consider how users will interact with the iPad in a variety of ways, you know, with touch, with a hardware keyboard attached, maybe with a trackpad as well, and with the pencil, um, culture code, the developers behind things, they've really thought through and considered how can we make sure that no matter how a user is interacting with our app, no matter which of these various methods they're using, that they still get a great experience, that they don't feel like they're, they're kind of disadvantaged because they're using a pencil or they're disadvantaged because they're using touch. When it comes to task creation with a pencil, now you can just handwrite on screen and it's a shortcut to help create a new task. If you have a hardware keyboard attached, you can use keyboard shortcuts. And Things is one of the best iPad apps at supporting keyboard shortcuts that I've tried. And then if you're using Touch, um, the app uses what it calls the Magic Plus button, where you can pick up the little plus button that creates a new task and drag it to a certain part of the screen. So like if you've got a your upcoming list that shows various days that are coming up, you can drag that plus button and drop it onto a specific day to create a new task for that day. The same thing works with Scribble. If you want to create a new task on a specific day or inside of your projects in things, that the app supports um, headers, which kind of sort out different sections inside your project. So you can have a, a, a Mac Stories project with a writing header, uh, editing header, a Club Mac Stories header, and wherever you scribble, you will create a new task inside that little area of your project. So that header, that section, and so no matter kind of how you're using things, you get treated with the you know the respect of giving you some shortcut, something that speeds up interactions in a meaningful way, and I think that's. I know that most developers probably, you know, probably don't have the, I don't know, the the time or the, the ability to prioritize at quite the high level that, that cultured code has with things, all these different um, interaction methods, but it really shows when you do that. Um, things is one of the shining examples that I can think of on iPad of an app that that really treats each interaction method as a first-class experience. And uh, it's, it's a great example in that regard. So really pleased with what, with what Things is doing. And then Fantastical is doing much the same thing, but with creating new events for your calendar. And so just like Things in Fantastical, you can scribble random places on screen and whatever you write will be turned into type text inside of a new event creation box. And you can write on specific days, depending on what kind of calendar view you have on screen. You can you know, start your scribble on specific days and the calendar event that you create will be set for that day. So it's just a really nice shortcut to 
to do something that's really important in these apps, right? Creating new tasks, creating new events. That's a really important function. And if you are using a pencil regularly and you have to then put the pencil down every time you're going to create a new task or create a new event, it's just, it's not as, it's not as smooth of a, a workflow. It's a little cumbersome to put the pencil down and then pick it back up afterwards. And so now you can just draw on screen, write on screen without hitting any buttons first. And I, I think it's just a fantastic way of using the pencil and using Scribble that rewards pencil users and, and doesn't, you know, doesn't strip away some of the, the shortcuts and the things that maybe other users would have. Like if you're using a hardware keyboard, you've got all these keyboard shortcuts and you can't necessarily add all that functionality into pencil gestures, but there's a lot you can do. And so I think it's really neat what, uh, what these developers have done. And I hope to see more developers follow this trend in the future. Yeah, it it really is like something that I was not expecting to be sort of excited about. Like, I don't think I will be using this. However, I think a lot of pencil users will be ecstatic about and really just from a technological perspective, it is super cool um, that it just works and the developers also have the freedom to, to implement custom versions of, you know, with just custom interactions and all that. So, yeah. This is definitely one of my one of my unexpected uh, surprises, I guess, this year. All right. Well, it, as no surprise to me, we're letting this episode get a little bit away from us because we're talking about apps, and <laughs> you and I love talking about apps. But uh, I still have a challenge to report on. Yes. So let me uh, thank our next sponsor, and then I will tell you what I've done with shortcuts. Uh, this episode of Adapt is also brought to you by Muse. Uh, last episode, we told you about Muse. It's a new pro app for the iPad. Uh, Muse is a tool for thought. It gives you a spatial canvas for your research notes, sketches, screenshots, bookmarks, and PDFs. You can pull in all your content, arrange it freely, and then write or draw on and around everything. Uh, Muse has everything you'd expect from a pro app, like file import and export, drag and drop, and keyboard shortcuts. But it goes a step further with a powerful gesture system that uses both of your hands and the pencil. So since I've been talking about Scribble, let me focus on some of those pencil gestures in Muse because they are really, really nice. So when you're using an Apple Pencil in Muse, you can swipe in from the edge of the screen on any corner or any side of the iPad, just swipe in from the edge of the screen with the pencil and you'll see your ink tools slide in as well. And so this toolkit that's provided to you uh, just slides right in along with the pencil. It's, it's a really neat gesture. Um, the, the toolkit that you use with the pencil is now fully customizable as of the latest update, so you can tailor it to your exact needs. Uh, if you need to switch from using, let's say, a pen or marker tool to using an eraser, well, you can, of course, double tap on the pencil. That's a feature that's supported in many apps that support the Apple Pencil. But in addition to that, with Muse, you can also kind of use the pencil and your fingers in tandem by placing one finger on the screen and holding it there as you use the pencil, and that will activate the eraser. So just that simple gesture of putting one finger on screen turns your tool into an eraser. Uh, Similarly, you can select cards in your Muse board by using the pencil as a selection tool. You can activate the selection tool from the pencil toolkit that I mentioned a minute ago, 
or just use a gesture. Uh, you can hold two fingers on screen and then draw to circle the things that you want selected. Uh, finally, a simple two finger tap on screen acts as undo. So I've never seen another app with such great support for pencil gestures. It is really fantastic. Visit museapp.com to learn more and download it from the App Store. That's museapp.com. Turn your iPad into a tool for thought with Muse. Our thanks to Muse for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Ryan, your challenge was to create a shortcut on your iPad to use as a widget on the home screen and run it using Compact UI. So obviously, there's you 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 wouldn't be able to install the widget on the home screen and you know alongside app icons. So you would only be able to use it from the today column on iPad. However, you can still use it as a widget and you can still use it with Compact UI. So how did this go? Well, I'm sure that you would probably not be surprised to hear that I didn't build a complex shortcut. I didn't build something okay, that had a fine. lot, whole lot going on. But I just tried to think, you know, not so much, oh, what can I do for this challenge to impress Federico, but more, what's something that I really need in my life? And, I mean, that's, that's kind of what the Shortcuts app is there for. And we've talked about this before. You can build really simple stuff or really complex stuff. It, it doesn't really matter whether it's simple or complex. What matters is the, the purpose that it's serving in your life. And so uh, I've got a couple of shortcuts that I want to mention that I have started running from the home screen via widgets. Uh, the first uses a single action. Uh, it takes a, an action that Toggle, um, or Timery, the Toggle tracking app, uh, supports. So Timery is this great app for using timers via the Toggle service, and Timery offers a shortcuts action called Check Total Time Tracked. Mm. And so as you're tracking your time across you know, various whether it's jobs or various, you know, aspects of your work, then you can view the totals for all of that time via this one shortcut action. And so it's just a single action that I set up to pull in the total time that's been tracked for the current week uh, across the two main timers that I use. So right now um, I'm using uh, a timer called Mac Stories Writing, and then I have another one called Club Writing. Um, mm. I'm thinking about ways that I may actually start using Timery and Toggle even more in the future. But for now, those are the two timers that I use all the time. And so I've set up the shortcut to where it pulls in the total time tracked for each of these two timers, uh, adds it up, and then when you run the shortcut via Shortcuts Widget, it shows the report in Compact UI so right there on the home screen, um, it comes in from the top of the screen. It shows you the total amount of time that's been tracked across these two timers, as well as a breakdown of each of the individual timers and their totals. That's very nice. So those are like projects and, and tasks? Yeah, so like, okay. these, are, these are projects. Um, I'm not really using the task feature right now. Okay. But I believe you can set it up to filter according to different tasks and different other... Nice kind of depending on how heavy you are into the time tracking game, there's a lot of options that Timery provides for you for configuring the shortcut. Um, and I just, first of all, I love being able to see just in a quick second 
how many hours have I worked this week across all these different timers? Mm. Um, but then also, you know, it doesn't just show you that. It also shows you the breakdown of, okay, you know, so you've worked six hours so far this week. One of those hours was for club Mac stories writing. And then the other five hours were for Mac stories writing. And it shows it all right there to you. It shows you kind of the colors of the different timers that you've set up. So it's really easy to kind of at a glance, see the breakdown. Um, and you don't have to open the full shortcuts app at all. It runs right there from the home screen via the widget and compact UI. And it's just a really nice experience. This is a shortcut that I've, you know, I've never, I, I think I've thought in the past about trying something like this, but I never did. And it's something that I'm going to be using a lot in the future. The other shortcut that I built, um, it uses a couple of actions, but it's not necessarily something I'm going to use long term. So Ulysses is my primary text editor, markdown editor, and Ulysses currently doesn't offer a widget. Uh, the way that I use Ulysses is that I have a, a group, uh, what the app calls groups, it's basically a folder uh, called Inbox, which stores all of my current works in progress. And so within that group, it's everything that I'm working on right now or that I want to be working on. And so a Ulysses widget that showed me what's in the inbox, so I kind of know these are the things I need to be working on, would be really nice. But since that's not there right now, I've created a shortcut that has two actions. The first is it gets the sheets from Ulysses inbox. So there's mm. a, a shortcut action that Ulysses offers to get all the sheets from a particular group. So I did that for my inbox, and then I used Toolbox Pro to create a menu item. So that's an action provided by Toolbox Pro, two shortcuts, create a menu item. And putting those two together, what it does is it pulls in the sheets from the inbox, and then it gives them to, to Toolbox Pro to display in Compact UI the titles of the sheets that are in my inbox currently. So this is the kind of thing that I don't expect to use it, you know, much into the future um, because often it might be quicker to just open Ulysses and see, okay, these are the sheets that are in my inbox. But the reason why this is quicker, at least at the moment, is that I usually keep a bunch of different Ulysses windows open. And so depending on which window I used last, it might not open the window that has my inbox visible. It might open a different window and then I have to I don't want to switch that window to the inbox because then it's not set up the way that I like it. And so I'd have to, you know, click on Ulysses icon in my dock to view all windows and then switch to the right window. So this is kind of a temporary, it's going to hold me over until Ulysses has a widget, but there's not, you know, beyond that, I don't think it'll have uh, a use. Hmm. So. No, this is looking pretty good. I only have one correction for you. Okay. Um, the create menu item action. That one alone, like, it, you think it's working right now, but this is not what it's supposed to do. Okay. So <laughs> you're supposed to put a choose from list action after create menu item. And oh. that will actually show you the list of, of, of sheets. What you're seeing right now is the byproduct of a change in, I, in iOS and iPadOS 14 in that if you leave the show when run toggle enabled for the create menu item action it'll show you this new view with the check uh, with the checkbox for like this action as run successfully 
But if you look at the title, you will see three lines of texts uh, for your sheets. And at the very end, .vcf. That's the workaround that Toolbox Pro is using to create these lists. It's converting those items to like contact cards. You're supposed to disable the show and run toggle and then put a choose from list action after create menu item. And then you will see the actual menu. Uh, this is, this right here is just a preview uh, of the action, but okay. I mean it's it it still works for the purpose of show me a list of the sheets in my inbox. But it, what I'm saying is it could be prettier, and it could actually allow you to choose one of these sheets, and if you want to open it in Ulysses. Okay, gotcha. Because well, right now you can just see the titles <laughs> you can choose. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, that's good to know. Uh, it's doing what it's supposed to do for me right now, but yes, it's not yes. not working the right way. So it's I, not optimal. I'll, it's not. Make, uh, it's not optimal. Yes, I'll make yes. that adjustment. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I mean, you've you've done what I wanted, and especially the the timery one. It looks really good in Compact UI, and that's the default Compact UI of of the app's um, actions. Like, it's not a custom thing. It's just what it looks like when you. When you when you enable show and run in Compact UI, this looks really nice, and you can see uh, like the custom UI with the color, uh, the colored indicators for the projects, and the and the bigger font. Like it looks really nice. Yeah, it's a great idea. I'm well, actually gonna copy this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, I think because you're working on your review and you're going to be very Please diligently don't give me a challenge. yeah we'll Please. yeah we'll both be very busy the challenge um, is to finish my review <laughs> exactly all right um so we'll i'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about related to that next time uh but for now this has been episode 35 of adapt i'd like to thank our sponsors for this episode hover and muse if you want to find show notes for today you can go to our website relay.fm/adapt/35 and to follow us online, Federico's on Instagram and Twitter as at Vitici, that's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And I'm on Twitter as at Iryan, T-L-D-R, I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. And we're both writing at maxstories.net. Until next time, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Bye.